Welcome to New Life Bible Church, and thank you for joining us. Every week, listen to practical teaching of God's Word you can apply to your life as you live out your faith every day. Our vision at New Life is that you may know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. Here's this week's message from New Life Bible Church. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, New Testament, Luke chapter 10. Allow me to pray before we begin. Heavenly Father, I will do and have done my best to distract them from all the garbage of the week. The newscasts, the prognosis, the drama, the traffic. Father, I ask that your spirit would speak today far beyond what I could ever do in a way so much deeper than I could ever go, that we might uh, today go home from here having been touched by you more than anything else. And if that can happen, then we could say that today has been a success for your kingdom and your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. I love the teachings of Jesus. Now, I'm not saying I don't like some of the great preachers. Who, who, who's your favorite uh, other than pastor here? Let's, let's remove, let's take him off the table here because we, we just want to keep him humble, okay? What good is humility if people don't know you have it? Amen. And so now here's the thing. But now, now who's some of your favorite preachers? If you're going to turn on a podcast or something, who do you turn on? Somebody shout it out. Jesse Duplantis, okay, very good, very good. Jesse, Jesse, Jesse Duplantis, and you know him by his first name, just Jesse, all right, okay, very good, very good. Somebody else? T.D. Jakes, okay, very good. Where? Rick Renner, okay, who, who else? Oh, Andrew Romack, very good, I've worked with Andrew before, yes. Anybody else? Shonda Pierce, the comedian. Yes, very good. Friend of mine. Very good. Thank you for mentioning that. When I talked to her, I'll tell her you said hi. Right there. Yeah. I, noticed, I noticed you didn't shout out Shonda. Okay. All right. All right. My favorite of all preachers is Jesus. Now, let me tell you why. And let me tell you, I've heard some of the guys that you're talking about, ladies, of course, and I love what they do, but I love the simplicity of Jesus. You know, I grew up with preachers that when you would ask them a question, they would go, well, you know, in the original Greek, it's the, the word uh, palateo meant that this was this, but then the, the uh, Phoenician language came along and changed it to this. But today, it, and by the time they get through it, I'm going, duh. I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed. And that's why I love the way that Jesus spoke. Maybe that's why the children were always around him. They could understand. But I'll tell you what, the more that I've been alive, the more I've found out that really some of the best teaching is the simplest teaching. It's stuff that you don't need to try to juggle every time you think about it. Jesus was the originator of the phrase, once upon a time. When they would come to him, he would, he, they would say, well, here's this deep theological question. And that's what we're about to see 
in Luke chapter 10, verse 25. Take a look at it with me. And a lawyer stood up and put him to the test, saying, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus asked him, what's written in the law? What what does your Old Testament scrolls say about that? And the man responds there, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. That's found in Deuteronomy verse six, chapter 6, verse 5, and Leviticus 19, 18, if you want to find it out there. Then verse 28, Jesus said to them, said to him, you have answered correctly, do this and you will live. 29, but wishing to justify himself. Oh, we all want to justify ourselves, don't we? I know I do. I always want to figure out a way that I've got it right. But wishing to justify himself, maybe to justify his lifestyle, maybe to justify his thinking, he said uh, to him, but who is my neighbor? First of all, let me talk about that. Who is my neighbor? It's a legitimate question. I mean, who is my neighbor? Now, now, if this were my block right here, is my neighbor the person on my right and on my left when I'm standing at my front door? Okay, what about the people across the street? What about the people catty corner? What about the people behind me who have three boats in their backyard, a car, and they haven't mowed in six years, and my property value is worth $10,000 less because of them? Okay, I'm not bitter. <laughs> we all have a right to be pigs. I'm sorry, was that wrong? Was that wrong? Okay. Okay, fix it later. They'll edit and post. Okay. Have you ever had one? How many have had one of those neighbors before? How many have had a neighbor? They say fences. Have you heard this saying? Fences make good neighbors, okay? How many have had a neighbor that you couldn't get a fence high enough? You know what I'm saying? I don't think Trump could build a wall around some of my neighbors, whether they paid for it or I did. You know what I'm saying? That was wrong. Didn't didn't mean get political. I apologize. I I try not to be political at all. I try to stay out of politics. As I've told you many times before, the only thing I know about politics is two things. Politics taken from two words, poly, which means many, and ticks, (laughs) which are blood-sucking creatures. Okay, anyway. (laughs) So here we have this lawyer who's getting up in front of this crowd It was as if we were here today, and a leader stood among them, a lawyer, someone who was an expert in the law, and said, Jesus, who is my neighbor? Now, now Jesus could have gone into a dissertation. He could have said, it's the one on your right and the one across from you and the three doors down, but the next block over, that's a different group. He didn't. He said, once upon a time. He gave us a story, and we're going to see it here in just a second, with characters that we can all find ourselves in as one of those characters, sometimes a couple of them. And today, I'd like to examine that story. Let's move forward in verse 30. Jesus replied and said, Once upon a time there was a man going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. He's identifying this guy as a neighbor. 
It's interesting here that he didn't say there was a man who lived next door to you on your block, in your Torah study group. You, you, just keep it circa relevant. Okay? He said there was a guy going down from this place to another, a traveling man, somebody who's even just passing through. And he fell among robbers. Has anybody here ever been robbed? You ever come home, found out your place was robbed? Anybody ever been robbed gunpoint, face-to-face, knife point, and just a scary face in front of you asking for money? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Jesus talks about the ultimate robber, doesn't he? John chapter 10, verse 10, he said that Satan has come to kill, steal, and destroy that which is good. There is that ultimate robber there. Since he came across robbers, and they stripped him and beat him. Okay? So they didn't, it wasn't just stick him up, give me your money, but they stripped him and beat him. One of the things I've learned from working in the Dominican Republic is when it's late at night, there are two mountains that we don't go over. Because if we go over those mountains, especially me as someone who obviously stands out as not having the normal tan, you know, sometimes I like to convince them that I'm mulatto. Okay, I'm speaking to my Dominican friend back there. You know what I mean. Okay, uh, so are you with me? But what they will do is the police, the policia, will rob you. You're saying, no way, yes way. And one of the things that they will do when they rob you is they take all your stuff, including your clothes. Now, why do they do that? Because it's hard to get people to help you when you're naked, okay? I'm just saying, there could be somebody out in the street waving, help me, help me, help me. Some of you here might stop, but if that person was naked, you ain't stopping. We'll let the next guy stop. And you say, how do you know that, Mike? Well, I don't know about you. You're probably more spiritual than me, but I'm not. I can, I can go back. See, Pastor, I just can't tell this and go right through it because I remember the time. I was in Indiana. I, I was staying at a hotel. I won't mention the name of the hotel, but I'll just say they leave the light on for you. Because if they don't, the roaches run wild, okay? <laughs> Three o'clock in the morning. Knock, knock, knock. I'm hearing knocks going on all up and down the hall. Knock, knock, knock. Guy shout, Bill! Bill, let me in. Bill, let me in. I go, get out of bed. I go to the door, which isn't far in this particular hotel. <laughs> I look out that little eyelet right there. You know that eye hole they got. And there is a naked guy <laughs> in the hall. Now, I didn't know all the information at the time. We found out later when the police came. But I'm going to tell you now the whole story of what happened. He was drunk. In his drunken condition, he was sitting there in the hotel room realizing he was out of ice. And in his drunken condition, he thought, hey, I could run down to the ice machine, get some ice, and run back without having to take the time to get dressed. Drunken condition, okay? Well, some of you know... When you, when you leave those hotel rooms, they have those little springs on the, on the hinges that kind of pull them back shut. And when you're naked, there's not a lot of places to keep an extra key. 
He gets out there, gets the ice bucket, gets back, and realizes he'd locked himself out. He's, he knows his friend is on the same floor. He's knocking on every door trying to find Bill, okay? This isn't where it's funny yet, people. <laughs> I see the guy out there to which I reach over. <laughs> it was close. <laughs> Grab the phone, dial zero. I called the front desk. I say to the lady, Pastor, I say, ma'am, please send security up here. There's a naked guy running up and down, knocking on doors. Her response to me was this. Can you describe him to me? <laughs> no! Arrest any naked people on the floor. Are you with me? Right? Right? We, we don't necessarily see naked people and go, we need to run to their rescue. We see naked people and we say, arrest them. I'm going the other way. But now let's get real honest with the story of Jesus. Jesus said they robbed him. They stripped him. Talk about losing your dignity. You know, that's what the world does. The world robs us. The world strips our dignity from us. Really, when we're robbed, when you think about it, when you're robbed, it's not the robber that does it. It comes from the ultimate robber of all times. It comes from the enemy. Who? That's what he does. He, he kills and steals and destroys. And here's this man who's robbed, stripped, he's beaten. And it says they went away leaving him half dead. Now verse 31, Jesus begins to bring a couple more characters to our once upon a time story. Verse 31, Jesus says there was a priest who was coming by. Now, now, what was the job of the priest at that day? Let's remember, the job of the priest was to go before God, present sacrifices for the people to God so that they might be forgiven of their sins. Are you with me? Okay. So the job of the priest was to a very holy position. Very holy position. And it says here in verse 31, it says, and the priest was going down on that road, same road, and it said, when he saw him, everybody say, saw him. Say it again, saw him. The Bible says in Psalms, it says that the steps of God's people are ordered by the Lord. So we need to be aware. If you're a child of God, listen to me. Be aware where you're walking and ask the questions, why am I walking this way? When I see something, why am I seeing what I am seeing? The priest came by, and it says, hey, what? They saw him, right? He saw him, and it said he passed by on the other side. So it wasn't just a, I'm walking, oh, look at that. No, it was a, whoa. I'm going to go, you follow what I'm saying? I'm staying very, very clear. Now, now let me say this. Let's be respectful of the priest. Because his doctrine, his theology taught him that for him to be able to receive forgiveness for the people, he couldn't 
touch an unclean thing. He couldn't touch a dead body. He couldn't touch a, the body of an animal who had expired there, okay? So his religion taught him to go away. I can't help but think, Pastor and I were talking today about some churches that seem to spend their life picketing the sins of others. You know them. They're always holding up the banners of the sinfulness of others. And they're thinking, now, now, now understand their thinking. Their thinking is maybe if we can be holy enough, God will rescue us. That was the priest of the day. Let's go to the next verse, if you don't mind. Verse 32, likewise, similar story, Jesus says. Once upon a time, there's another guy who came along. And he was a Levite. Now, what do we know about the Levites? We know that the Levites were the singers of the church. They were the ones who were the deacons, the elders. They were the ones that prepared things so the priest could do his job before God. I'll tell you what, had to be a bummer to be in the band back in those days. Because the band always got picked to go first when they went to war. Did you notice that? Have you ever noticed this? If you're watching scripture, they would always, you know, we're going to war. Quick, put the band out front. <laughs> Apparently they didn't like the band, okay? It just, <laughs> you know, everybody else got a spear and a sword and a shield. They're out there, shout to the Lord, all the earth. Let us, <gasps> thing. <laughs> Sorry, maybe, maybe, maybe that isn't totally historically correct there, that part, but... Now, folks, think about this for a second. Think about this. The Levite, Jesus says, came by to the place and saw him. Say, so saw him. He was aware. And what does it say that he did? The other side. And we go, well, why? Why did the Levite have to do that? Well, you see, the Levite has been trained all of his life that if a person is broken, if a person is hurt, if a person is sick, they're that way because their grandfather sinned or their great-grandfather sinned or their great-great-great-great-grandfather sinned. They, they were taught God is punishing this person. And seriously, if God is punishing somebody, the last thing you want to do is interfere with God. Right? Let's just be honest. If God is doing a work, I don't want to get in his way. Do you want to get in his way? No, I don't want to get in his way. So his theology said, stay back. It's brokenness. Let God do what God is doing. Hmm. Wow. You know, Pastor, I, I've preached this sermon before. And I've come down on the priest, and I've come down on the Levite here, because most of you know the story. You know how it's going to end here in a second, okay? And we come down on these guys, but I can't help but feel a little sorry for them. I can't help but feel sorry for the priest who had to get up that next Sabbath day and go before God, this God that he proclaimed was merciful and loving and just, but yet know that somehow the justness of this God who is offering forgiveness to the people couldn't find transformation for that one. 
Because down deep inside of us, when we see brokenness, we all know that it could have been us. It doesn't take too long of living to understand that it's really easy to get in quicksand. It's really easy to to get in poison ivy. Sometimes you find yourself in the middle of the mess long before you ever even saw the mess there. Can I get an amen? Do you know what I'm talking about? I wonder if he realized it could have been him. You know, I'm, 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 I'm debating. You ever debate on whether to give an illustration that just come to you right there? Um, I, I have a, um, a person who is, lives not far from our house. I have to be careful here. Who was recently arrested for child pornography. Yeah. That's all of a sudden one of those ones that Are you with me? Last night I was, uh, somebody came up to me and said, do you know what your neighbor was arrested for? And I said, uh, does it make any difference? They said, well, it will when you hear. I had already heard. It was two young men, actually, who uh, were talking to me. Two men who I happen to know that uh, are not walking in faith. And I looked at them and I said, gentlemen, do you realize that every time you go surfing on your internet for what you're looking at, their eyes got big, Pastor. I said, you're one click away from being my neighbor. One click away. That's how quick. I said, gentlemen, be careful not to judge. Brokenness happens. Children who are raised in good homes can have brokenness happen. And the Levite and the priest had to get up. Everybody sing. Everybody sing. Back then they were singing the Psalms of David. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days, all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And I will feast at the table spread for me, surely goodness. And he had to do that knowing that he came by brokenness. And somehow, surely goodness could not affect that one. I have to have my heart break, Pastor, for that priest and that Levite. And you know why? Because I have been where they're at. This is not a sermon of condemnation. This is a sermon of understanding all the players in the Jesus story. Jesus says, a man traveling, beaten, broken, naked, stripped, loses everything. Priest comes along, ran. A Levite came along, ran, and a Samaritan came by. Now, we all know this good Samaritan. We've got Samaritan's purse, which I always thought was kind of feminine. I I wish it was Samaritan's wallet. To be honest with you, as a man, I I don't like to go, I'm a member of Samaritan's purse. (laughs) 
Marin's wallet. There we go. Wallet. Even when I say it, wallet. I'm not going to say wallet. I'm wallet. Ready back. <laughs> That's even worse right there. <laughs> I'm with Samaritan's fanny pack. <laughs> well, as a comedian, 15 things just crossed my mind right there. And I will write a song about them and sing it for you next time I'm here. <laughs> but the title is, no, I'm not even going to tell you that. <laughs> you probably already know. A Levite comes by. Or excuse me, Samaritan comes by. Samaritan. What do we know about the Samaritans? I'll, I'll give you a breakdown on the Samaritans. At that time, a Samaritan was this. He was um, from the area of Samaria. He was a half-breed. That was hated by the Jews. Think about this. He, he could have been half-Jew... Half Palestinian. Oh, we're 2,000 years removed. How would that go on? How would that be accepted in the cultures and communities of either the Jewish people or the Palestinians? Hmm. Wow. You could just stop right there. He was a Palestinian. What, what, what was his... Uh, the Samaritan... Sorry, Samaritan, excuse me, from Samaria. His doctrine was this. Are you ready? He believed in the first five books of the Bible. But he believed that the Jews had added a bunch of laws to the law of God. He believed in the ten. The ten that were written... The only words according to the Bible itself that were written by God himself, the Ten Commandments. He believed in those. He believed in love God with all your heart, soul, your mind, and strength, and love your neighbors yourself. But he said, all this other stuff the Jews have added to it. You say, what did he mean by that? Well, I mean, look, look at that in Exodus chapter 20. It says, uh, it, God writes down, you know, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Jesus reminds us that Sabbath was created for man, not man for the Sabbath. God gave us a day off so that the world wouldn't work us to death because it would have, okay? You know, God had the first union. <laughs> I mean, think about that. Praise God, he was the first one to, to demand rights for laborers, okay? That, that you get a day off. But yet it was in Exodus 31, the Jews had already changed it to remember the Sabbath or you'll surely die. You'll be put to death. We like laws. People in power love to create rules to control people. But again, not going to go there. His belief was in Jehovah God. In fact, do you remember another story involving a woman from Samaria at a well? When Jesus is speaking to this woman, and, and she acknowledges, she said, hey, you know, my people have worshipped on this mountain for a long time. We worship the God of Abraham, the God of Moses, right? So there is that connection, but it's different. It's interesting today, if you'll talk to most folks involved in what we would call our modern evangelical movement, they kind of teach the same thing. They teach the grace of God. 
and that man has attached all of these rules to it. But the fundamental teachings of Jesus Christ is, I forgive you. Now let's rise up and walk in newness of life. We're not looking at your sin as something that's, that makes you intrinsically evil. We're looking at the sin that you're involved in and realizing that that's the enemy trying to kill and steal and destroy. You know what? I read the new, when, I, when I read the Ten Commandments, Pastor, I don't look at this group of laws and I go, oh, I got to keep that one. Oh, I got to keep that one. Oh, I got to keep that one. I look at those and I realize, wow, if my life would have kept that all my life, my life would have been amazing. The statutes of God are there to bless us. They are yes and amen. They are there for our goodness and our kindness and our growth. And because the God who made us knows how to give us a life we're living. Now here we have the Samaritan. And what does it say the Samaritan does? The Samaritan who was on a journey too. He was a traveling guy. My dad was a Samaritan. Oh, I hated that. My dad was an auto mechanic. He couldn't pass people up who were, had breakdowns. I remember one time on Christmas, we are headed to family for Christmas. It's like, come on, Dad, at Christmas, if there's one place that you should be able to forget the needs of people, it should be Christmas. <laughs> you laugh, but you know I'm right. We've all been there. And I remember he stopped in the morning and put a water pump on a guy's car on the side of the road right there and, and wouldn't take any money. The guy, wanted to, didn't have my, the guy, guy gave, wanted to give him 20 bucks at the end for changing a whole water pump. You remember on a V8, if you know that, that that's a pretty big job. Okay? And, and Dad said, no, but I, I would be interested in you allowing me to have five more minutes with you to tell you about Jesus. Okay? Yeah. Okay, so praise God for those kind of Samaritans that I got to see firsthand. I hate that. <laughs> it would have been so much easier if I would have been able to come upon this when I was about 70 years old. The Samaritan who was on the journey came upon him, and when he saw him, he saw him too. He felt compassion. Hmm. What is compassion? Compassion is love in action. The uh, compassion is not just hurting for, but it's hurting with. Anybody can hurt for. Anybody can feel sad. Anybody can feel sorry for. Man, when, when they do that commercial for uh, the animals, and, and that lady comes on and sings, In the arms of the angels. You know the song. You know the one I'm talking about. That song just makes you feel sad. I don't care if the issue was spoiled cucumbers. I'd be sitting there going, we got to do something about cucumbers. You know what I'm saying with that song? But then the commercial would be over and you'd be back to a good commercial about strawberry quick. And I'd be going, "Woo! let's get some strawberry quick and some milk. You know what I'm saying? <clears throat> Compassion. Compassion. Co-passion. Come together. Oh, passion, that your need, your passion, your hurt, and my hurt now become one. And it's not just as if it were yours, but it's also mine. Hmm. He felt compassion, verse 34, and he came to him. He didn't run. And he bandaged up his wounds, pouring oil 
and wine on them. Oil was the medicine of the day. Wine would have been the, the, the cleanser, the painkiller of the day. And he put him on his own beast. Now that may be where I would have drawn the line. I don't like naked people sitting in my car. I'm just telling you right now, I have cloth seats. Maybe if I had vinyl or leather, I'd feel differently, Pastor, but I'm just going to be honest with you. No naked people are sitting there. I'll open up the back of the truck. You get in the back of the truck. I'm sorry. You know, but, but he puts them on. I'd have called an Uber donkey. You know what I'm saying? Let's, let's get, can I get an Uber donkey here? Down right here, somewhere between Jericho and Jerusalem. Look for the temple. We're right outside. He puts him on his own beast, it says in verse 34, and brought him to an inn. Brought him to a place that could bring some help. Brought him to an inn. Wow. Think about that. What's an inn today? There's lots of inns. Number one inn is church. People who are broken and who need spiritual connectedness. Bring them to the church. We got people here. We got pastors, elders. If you, don't, if you can't minister, bring them. We'll, we'll help. We'll help with that. Okay? Didn't just leave them. We'll help with that. There's a Grace House is an inn for girls who are in the brokenness of, of, of being told that they need to end the life of a child. Okay? Uh, around here, rescue missions. I work in Lakeland, Florida and help out with a mission there called Lighthouse Ministries that takes in men who are addicted, takes in women who are addicted, and it's a 7 to 24-month in is what it is, okay? Bring them in. Bring them in. Takes them to an inn. Verse 35. On the next day, so he spent the night there with him. On the next day, he took out two denarii, now, if you break that down, more than likely that was two days' wages. Ouch. Couldn't we just limit this to 10%? And gave it to the innkeeper and said, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I return, I will repay you. Verse 36. Let's move along. Jesus asked the question. Which of these three characters do you think was a neighbor? Now, there had to be a lot of pressure on this guy who got up. He had gotten up to try to trick him, at minimum to justify his own denial of service to others around him. And Jesus brings a story that we can all find ourselves in because we've all been in positions like that. And we will be in positions like that. And Jesus brings this simple kid's story and he turns it around on the lawyer and he says, you're a man of the law. Which one do you think? Verse 37, and he said the, I, the, the, the one, who, one who showed mercy. I, I, I kind of I can picture him kind of saying it that way. You know, 
He's getting up there. He's going to show Jesus what. Watch this, guys. <laughs> hey, it's my turn. Which one? Oh. The, 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 one, the one who showed mercy? And Jesus said to him, go do the same. It wasn't just, yes, you've answered correctly. Yay! Everybody give it up for Pharisee Jeopardy. All right, very good. Thank you, sir. Can't you just see? I'll take Old Testament for a thousand, Alex. Don't do the New Testament. We don't get any of those. (laughs) You can edit. You can edit. Go and do the same. So it wasn't just a story where we could sit back and go, that was a nice story. Oh, I love when Jesus tells stories. He's such a good storyteller. I can listen to him for minutes. I mean, think about it. His stories weren't that long. You know, this, this wasn't an epistle. Jesus was always very short to the point. I think he knew that people back then, not now, but people back then had a very short attention span because they were so used to being on their personal devices that they had just... <laughs> unlike today. But he didn't stop with just the story. He brought it home. Go thou, do likewise. Do the same. So I'm going to wrap up today with this. This week, I'm betting that you're going to be tested on this. It always happens. Some of you are going to go, man, I've got to quit coming to church. No, don't do that. Don't do that. Because, see, this, this, this gives us a chance to be more like Jesus. Amen? That's what I want to be, okay? I, I don't want to get to heaven and go, whoa, I was way off. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying. My, you know, we sing, I, to be like Jesus, to be like Jesus, all I ask to be like him. Well, to do that, we've got to do the stuff. You're going to have the opportunity to be one of three people this week, this month, this year. You can be the Pharisee who uh, is the uh, priest's Pharisee. So messy. A little too messy for me. I want to keep myself holy. Remember the Bible says, come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. See, the broken person is not the unclean thing. Did you hear me? The broken person is not the unclean thing. The unclean thing is the enemy. The broken person is the victim. Right? I want you to be careful. Because we all got in here and we sang today. We sang some good songs. Okay? 
I'm from the South. We'd say, is a good one this Sunday. Is a good one. Is a good one. G-O-O-O-O-D apostrophe N. Good one. Good one. But you know, what am I going to do now when I see brokenness? Quick, turn up Joy FM. Let's be the Samaritan. You know, Pastor, I can't help but think that if the church were Samaritan, the church, not just the church, the church, church, were filled with Samaritans, rather than Paulians or Jamesians or even modern-day Christians. Maybe amazing we've named a religion after a word that didn't exist until the modern century. Remember, his name was Yeshua. Whoops, sorry, sorry. Again, edit, edit. You've got, you got lots of work to do back in the edit room today. But maybe we should be like the Samaritans. Maybe if the world saw us as Samaritans rather than priests or Levites, the world might, because see, everybody in this room has been one of the broken. There's one person in here that we can all identify with, is that is, we've been broken. We've been hurt, we've been abused, we've been robbed, we've been stolen from, we've been ripped off, we've had people uh, take us and, and, and use our name wrongly, and, and, and we've hurt, and we've had pain, and we've cried. We've cried. Let's be the one that we would want to come by on our brokenness. In our journey. And that's the message today. It's not uh, it's a simple story, but it may take us a lifetime to learn to live. That's how his stories were. The invitation to you today is to choose to walk out the door into that mission field. But wait, look around you for just a minute. Go ahead, just look around. Make eye contact with a neighbor. Hey, neighbor, how you doing? You okay? You all right? We, we, we do that, we do that, Pastor, we do that. You okay? You okay? You know, because I want you to say I'm okay. Blessed and highly favored. Yeah, that's because I want that. <laughs> Last thing I want is, <laughs> you don't know the bucket that I'm in. Yeah. Okay? But right in here, we have neighbors. If it can't start here, it ain't going to start out there. Bow your heads with me this morning. You know right now maybe some opportunities that you've missed. Maybe even in this church. You know those people that you go, oh no, here they come again. 
And admittedly, there are professional broken people. But sometimes we get so good at avoiding those people that we avoid the ones who truly need help. There has never been a time that we need to reach out to each other any more than right now. People are lonely, they're isolated, they're afraid, they're scared to death. I'm going to challenge you to be a neighbor on a phone. I'm going, to be, I'm going to challenge you to be a neighbor through an email. I'm going to challenge you to stop posting negative Facebook posts and start using your Facebook to lift people up and assure them that God is in control. And if they will just give their heart and life to him, he will take them through the other side. Today, if you would say, Mike, that's going to be my commitment this week to speak words of life and hope and help and healing. Hold up your hand to God right now. Hold up your hand. This week, I'm going to speak words of life and hope and help and healing. No negativity. Life, hope, help, healing. The world has plenty of folks reminding us of all the bad stuff, all the bad stuff that's going on, fake news, everything like that. I'm going to speak words of life, hope, help, and healing. Now, Father, you have seen our hands. May we be honorable to our world. Thanks for listening to the New Life Bible Church podcast. If you're ever in the Central Florida area, consider this a standing invitation for you to join us. We would love to meet you. Services are Sundays at 1030 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If this message blessed you, imagine what it would be like in person. Keep up with everything going on at New Life on our website, orangecitychurch.com. New Life Bible Church, you will never be the same.